fathers and sons. That's often not an easy relationship, and yet it's the one that Jesus shows us more than any other. So what does it mean that Jesus calls God Father? And is that more than just telling us who his dad is? Well, that's what we're going to find out today. I'm Stuart, and I'm delighted you've joined us today at St Marines. We hope that you find this time together helpful, and if you do, we'd appreciate it if you would like and share this video or podcast with your friends, and remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any of our future videos or podcasts. Today, I'm joined by Avril, who will lead us in prayer, but first, let's listen as she reads our scripture today. Today's reading is taken from John chapter 10, verses 22 to 13. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. There are often things that we get so used to that we don't even notice them. This passage today is one of those moments. Today is apparently Good Shepherd Sunday. Every year the fourth Sunday after Easter presents us with part of the passage from John's Gospel about Jesus as the Good Shepherd and always Psalm 23. This year it's the end of that section. Jesus has talked about being the Good Shepherd and it's an image that people are drawn to. It's something we are familiar with, even though most of us have never kept sheep before. So I want to mostly ignore that. Not completely and not because we are familiar with it. Because I think the sheep and shepherd stuff will help to show us something important. But today I want to spend some time thinking about something else. Something we're much more familiar with but spend hardly any time ever thinking about. This relationship Jesus refers to in the passage and regularly throughout the Gospels. Jesus calls God Father. He does it four times in eight verses. But we don't really notice it very much. Why would we? It's just who Jesus is, right? God is his Father. We know that from the Christmas story. It's how Jesus always refers to God. And calling God Father wasn't unusual. It was something that had been done in Judaism for, well, forever. So why would we pay any attention to it? Jesus talks about God as Father in two different ways in our passage today. He talks about God the Father, just like everyone else does. It's, it's kind of a formal title. But Jesus does something else. He talks about God as my Father. And that's unusual. But we don't even notice. At least we don't notice why it's important. First, we need to think about fathers. For some of us, father is a warm and fuzzy word. For others, father is a cold and hard word. And for others, father is a word that's missing altogether. Each of us has a different understanding and experience of our fathers. Positive, negative and everything in between. And it's for that reason that you've never heard me talk about this before. And it's for that reason that I always completely ignored the made-up hallmark holidays of Mother's Day and Father's Day in our church services. 
I have no idea what these words mean to you, so why on earth would we embrace that as a default source of celebration? I'm not about to stand here and celebrate a role when, for you, that could be the most difficult relationship in your life. But that doesn't mean that we should avoid the idea of Father altogether, because as we've already discovered, Jesus calls God Father consistently, so that's important but probably not for the reasons we might think it is at first. I'm becoming more convinced that it's important precisely because of the difficulties that so many people have with their fathers or with being a father. Let's start by blowing your mind. God has no gender. God is neither male nor female. God is both male and female. I know, that's not an easy thing to get your head around especially when we've spent our whole lives calling God male. We could get into a very long discussion about that, but let's take Genesis as our starting point. When God creates the human, God says, let us create them in our image. Us and them. Us referring to God, the Trinity, the three persons of God, and them referring to people, all the people, male and female, created in the image of God. So using male pronouns, seeing God as male as well, it's just one way of trying to make sense of who God is and what God has done or caused to happen. In a world that sees power as male and authority as male, then it figures that God must be male. When Abraham is chosen to father a great nation, nobody talks about Sarah as the mother of a great nation. Family lines are about men. Until very recently, women automatically took their husband's surname, But then, until fairly recently, women were objects to be owned by men, and some think they still are. It's no surprise then that in that mindset, God would be seen as male. But it could just as easily have been female. The maleness of God also reflects some of our problems with masculinity, and with the idea of what it means to be a father in particular. I'm about to generalise, but I don't think hugely. Fathers were the ones who disciplined their children, often with violence or the threat of violence. Fathers were to be obeyed, often because the consequences of failing to obey would be painful. Fathers decided in big ways and in small ways, from what party the family voted for to what they were having for dinner tonight to what we watched on TV. And fathers were often absent. They went away to work and then came back. Raising children was women's work. Playing with children wasn't required of men, and being emotionally engaged was optional too. That's why, that's what was expected of men, and that's how it was for centuries. So when Jesus calls God my father, he's completely undermining all of that. He's saying that God isn't like your father or my father, even if your father or my father are pretty decent guys. Jesus is saying that his father cares completely that his father's willing to do whatever it takes and won't ever turn his back, that his father is full of love and mercy, not vengeance and punishment. When Jesus calls God my father, he's exposing what we would perhaps now call toxic masculinity. And Jesus is saying God isn't like that. This whole conversation is about the leaders trying to find out if Jesus is the Messiah. But just think about who they expected the Messiah to be. Well, for starters, the Messiah would be a man, obviously. He would be a mighty warrior, someone who would lead a great battle to rid them of their Roman oppressors. So the Messiah would be skilled in violence and death. 
As an answer, Jesus talks about shepherds. The shepherds weren't soft and gentle. They lived a hard life outdoors. They led their sheep to find grazing and water and protected them from wild animals. They lay across the gate of the sheepfold as a barrier between the sheep and their would-be attackers. That nurturing, defensive, life-giving image isn't what the Messiah was supposed to be though. Even though the shepherd was an image used for the king, it didn't sit well with what they expected or thought they needed. Beside, their God was a God who had destroyed their enemies, had laid waste to whole regions, that's what they needed. Just before this, Jesus has said, I am the good shepherd. It's a plain words. It means what it says, that Jesus is the good shepherd, but I am is also the name of God. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying that God is the good shepherd too. They miss it though, because he couldn't possibly be making that kind of claim, could he? He wouldn't say that, because it's blasphemy. So they ask him to spell it out. Look, stop the word games, just tell us. Are you the Messiah or not? Jesus goes further though in his answer. He tells them that he's already told them the answer to that question and they're not interested in listening. So Jesus says something that really annoys them. It's worse than you feared. Not only am I the Messiah, but the Father and I are one. Again, I'm not sure that we realise just how incendiary a claim that is because I guess we just accept it. Of course they are. But hearing that for the first time, this claim that Jesus is God, it must have blown their minds. Jesus isn't just saying that he is the Son of God, he's saying that he is God, that they, Jesus and the Father, are so deeply connected that you can't separate them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. People tell me that I'm like my dad. I worry sometimes that I'm turning into him when I catch myself doing or saying things that my dad would do or say. But no matter how like him I am, no matter how good any of our relationships with our fathers are, none of us could claim that kind of closeness. That's just not how me and my dad are. It's not how you and your dad are. It's just not how any of us are with our parents or with our children. So why is Jesus making that claim about him and God? Perhaps it's because Jesus is a walking, talking example of what God is like. And God isn't like what the people thought he was like. God the Father isn't angry. God the Father isn't violent. God the Father isn't vengeful. God the Father is the very opposite of all those things. Always. God is not sometimes loving and kind and merciful and caring. God is always those things. So when Jesus calls God Father, he does it to show us two things. The first is to show us what God is like. But I think also to challenge us, especially us men, to be fathers who are more like God as a father. But that's only part of who God is. God is also a mother to all of us. But that's for another day. And there's one more thing. We might ask, how can we be that close to God? It's okay for Jesus to say that, but he's not like us. And that's a good question. But Jesus tells us that just as God is his father, so he is also our father. And he gave us a way to become one with God, so close that there's no separation between us, bread and wine, his body and blood, to become part of our body and blood.
Let us pray. Loving God, we give thanks for all that roots us in time and space and gives us a sense of belonging. For familiar places and people, for family and friends who make allowances for our quirks and foibles and love us as we are. For welcoming communities, including sometimes the church. But undergirding and far exceeding all of these, we give thanks for the security that comes from knowing that we belong to you. You are the shepherd. We are the most fortunate of sheep entrusted to your care. You are the vine. We are branches with your life surging from roots to the tips of our leaves. We are pilgrims. You are the way. We are plants. You are the ground of our being. All of this, on good days, we know and believe. But it is hard sometimes, and we falter. How much harder must it be for those who have no family and friends around them, those who have been forced out of their homes and face rejection and exploitation when they try to start again somewhere else? We pray for homeless people and for refugees, for all suffering the pain of bereavement or the isolation of loneliness, for those who have lost faith in other people, in themselves and in you. May there be someone who goes on believing in them and for them until they are able to take the first tentative steps back to trusting once again. Good Shepherd, if we are right about being part of your flock, safe within your care, then it is not for any merit of our own, and certainly not because you care for others any less. You want every lost sheep to be found, every injured one to be tended, every hungry one to be fed. And it is up to us, who bear your name, to work tirelessly with you to make that happen. Not for our own glory, not even for yours, but for your love's sake alone. May that love so heal and transform us that it spills out from us to the blessing of all around us. Amen. As we gathered for worship, we are now sent to work, to find God in all the broken places and serve with healing and hope. Having gathered for prayer, we are now sent to live, to take the goodness and mercy of God the Father into the world. And we do so with his blessing. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit with us this day and every day. Food Bank Collection is open every Sunday from 1pm till 2.30pm at St Ninian's Church. Your donations are very much appreciated and if you need food then please do come down between 1 and 2.30pm every Sunday and collect what you need.
delighted to say that our coffee mornings will be restarting on Tuesday the 3rd of May at 10am until 11.30am and then every Tuesday thereafter for a while at least until the end of June. So that's Tuesdays for our coffee morning from 10am till 11.30am and it's £2.50. And the Guild are hosting Brian Taylor's Fashion Sale. That's on the 9th of May at 730 and tickets are priced £2.50 or you can pay at the door. That's the 9th of May at 7.30 for Brian Taylor's Fashion Sale with tickets £2.50 from the Guild Committee or you can pay at the door. On Saturday the 21st of May, St Ninians will be hosting a really important and exciting project. It's the Stonehouse One Planet Eco Festival. You're invited to come along and to meet representatives from all different kinds of organisations to find out about how we can have a positive impact on the environment, what we can do to save our planet, to use our energy efficiently and to make a difference. So please do come along on the 21st of May all day on Saturday to the Stonehouse One Planet Eco Festival.